Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. What is up, football fans? I am Danny Austin here at the Nation Network Studios in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Um, and this is the Live from the 55 podcast. Before we get going, just wanted to quickly shout out our sponsor, um, Fraser and Fig. No joke. These guys are uh, kind of unbelievable. You get ready to go cheese and charcuterie boxes curated with local and artisanal ingredients. They got four sizes for every occasion. All boxes have meat, cheese, dried fruit, fresh fruit, nuts, olives, pickles, carrots, uh, and their selections kind of change they vary month to month. So this is definitely, this is a cool spot, man. This is uh, something worth checking out. I did not know that I was in the charcuterie market and then uh, impressed some friends with one of these recently. So definitely worth checking out. Thank you to Fraser and Fig. Um, beyond that, here we go. Week two of the CFL season in the books. Um, a weirder week in the sense that I think that if you had looked at the the three games that have happened so far, we were recording before Hamilton and Toronto played. But if you looked at Calgary, Ottawa, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, and then Edmonton, BC, I think you would have picked the three winners relatively easily um, here. I think we're quickly seeing right now uh, that the two best teams in the league so far and possibly going forward are the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the BC Lions, a team that I think a lot of people did not have picked to to sort of be in that top two. I, I know that I speak with Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press on um, Rob Kerr's show about a month ago, and we both had the Calgary St. Peters as number two. And right now, I don't think that you can make a compelling argument having them against the BC Lions team that, first of all, beat Calgary in week one, and then second of all, absolutely decimated the Edmonton Elks 22-0. Um, I think that's something we're going to be talking with our guest, John Bender, about a little bit. But I just thought Edmonton was going to be better than this so far. Um, Getting shut out in week two, deeply concerning. I, I know there's going to be a lot of conversation around the league about what they should do at quarterback, and I think that that's that's probably pretty valid. And, and you sort of look at a guy like Dane Evans. You, you know, you wonder if there's anything out there that might sort of instantly and dramatically improve this team. But you know, twenty-two nothing. That's no good for anybody. Uh, beyond that, I mean, Winnipeg lay a beating on, on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, forty-five twenty-seven. Winnipeg just hasn't lost a step. They, they look like the exact same team. We've been waiting. I mean, honestly, I, I feel now for two seasons, possibly three, for for this team to to hit that wall. You know, they've got some some guys in their thirties in pretty key positions, but they just they're not they're not they're not falling off. They they look every bit as dominant as as they have over the past couple seasons. Uh, you know, winners of two of the last three great cups, obviously, but they're just better than that. And you know, it's it's right now. Again, I've made this argument. If I was the league, I would be promoting it's everybody trying to knock off the bombers. That would be, you know, my TSN ads. That would be everything. Because, you know, when Dalton shown, you know, not that I think there was any real concern, but, you know, week one maybe didn't put up quite the same numbers as, as he did in his rookie season. And then last year comes out, I'm looking at it right now. It's eight receptions for 145 yards and a touchdown. It's just insane. Um, but there's no holes on that team. And they all 
buy into the system and they all play so well. So here we are in week two and just like we did in 2021, just like we did in 2022, it just seems like they're pretty far ahead of the pack. So I, I think that's your number one, too. And sort of everyone else with we don't know what Toronto is going to look like because um, they still haven't played despite seven CFL games having been played this season. Um, but, you know, they've got Hamilton this evening and, and we'll see what they look like. But beyond that, I don't think we can name a clear number three. Um, Calgary, I, I do think bounced back nicely in general against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Like 26-15 over the Red Blacks, there were some some touch-and-go moments there. I know that the Stampeders weren't happy with sort of the way their first half ended, and, and they kind of gave them a shot to get back in. But you look at this defense, um, and I, I thought they played pretty exceptionally. Um, you know, the only touchdown that, that the Red Blacks scored, um, really, they, they had great field position. There's not much you can do in that spot. So I, I liked what I saw from the Calgary defense, and then you're looking at um, an offense that – I was quite concerned about. I will be honest with you, coming out of week one, uh, I didn't like the way that they used Reggie Begleton, who I just think is the key to everything they do. We saw Kadeem Carey go down. If I'm being honest, that wasn't a huge concern because I just have so much faith in both Diedrich Mills and Peyton Logan. Malik Henry didn't fully look like himself, and Jake Mayer looked off, and to be honest, pretty much everywhere there. Um, I love the way they used Begleton against the Red Blacks. He was the downfield weapon that sort of I've, I've wanted to see um, for a while now. I, I thought Malik Henry looked much better. Uh, Trey Odom's Dukes, honestly, I mean, <clears throat> had 51 yards uh, receiving, but could have had a lot more if Jake Mayer had hit him over the middle late in the game. The ball was just sort of underthrown and didn't catch him, but that might have been a 100-yard game for Odom's Dukes. And I, by and large, think Jake Mayer did look better. Um, you know, there's there's a focus on Jake Mayer's performance right now that just means he's sort of under the microscope week in, week out. Um, and I don't know that he played up sort of an MOP level on Thursday against the Red Blacks, but I do think ultimately this is a team that is focused on improving. And they they said that from the start. They're not going to be the team in week nine that they were in week one. They're not going to be the team in week two that they were in week one. So the question is, did they show improvement? And yes, it came against a Red Blacks team that honestly doesn't seem to have their quarterback situation quite sorted out. Um, that, you know, has a lot of losses over the last couple of years. But you know, you can only beat what's in front of you. And I do think that they they showed improvement in the areas that I was concerned about, with sort of the notable exception of of, of the defensive ends, who I don't think are getting enough pressure on, on opposing quarterbacks. But um, that's something we will talk with uh, with my guest, Jonathan Bender. So uh, I don't know if we call him Jonathan Bender. John Bender. I apologize for that, John. I've never called you Jonathan before. Jonathan Bender was an Indiana Pacers uh, player in the mid-2000s. He was actually, I believe, drafted by the Toronto Raptors and then flipped for... Uh, the rights to Anthony Davis uh, by the Raptors back in the day. So uh, I apologize for mistaking our offensive lineman um, with a mid-2000s basketball player. All right, here we go. John Bender. I don't even know how to introduce you. Um, I think anyone in the Calgary football community knows you well, obviously from your time with the Stampeders, and then you're uh, you're still a pretty big part of the, the football community at this point. You had me... You offered me one of the tickets to the what was that the Fan Fest back in April? Yeah, that's right. Um, and you are still a season ticket holder. Still, you still do work with the team at times, don't you? Um, I just do like the alumni stuff. I don't do anything you know, that's per se like I'm not an employee of the Stampeders yeah. or anything by any means. But I like him being involved in the football community was a big part of my you know career and where I am now. And if I can uh, you know do some media, do some things like that to help out, that's great. 100%. I mean, I intend on leaning on you a fair bit as I get this podcast going. Um, you've also, I mean, 
briefly. I think you're going to wear the hat out, but I've contributed. <laughs> uh, we're trying to get the set going here. Um, we got a CFLPA helmet that we've added. We got John Bender's stamps hat, and then we have a bottle hat of Andrew Harris, but the arm has fallen off. So um, oh. people on the podcast can't see it, but I'm just going to slide the arm behind there so that you can kind of see Andrew Harris, but not. Uh, focus this is a little behind-the-scenes stuff. I like it. I, you All know right, what? I like go. bringing the audience in. It's what I try <laughs> to do. Um we watched the the Stamps and Red Blocks game sort of together, borderline together, because I had to work during it. But yeah. um, but we were at tables adjacent to one another, and I, I do want to get to that game. But um, gonna lead off because I know I know you watch them all. Is Winnipeg further ahead now than than they have been <laughs> in recent seasons? I mean, they're certainly at a point where they're they're playing at a high level. That's for sure. And uh, I've been really impressed with what they've been able to do. And, I mean, what they have there is a lot of continuity, right? So when you have that much continuity and you're playing a lot of guys that have played together for a long, long time, I mean, this is what we see. We see the first few weeks of the season and they kind of hit the ground running. And teams like the Stampeders that are trying to replace some big pieces, some other teams that needed to replace some big pieces because they weren't getting the job done are having a hard time, right? And, I mean, the Blue Bombers, we're all waiting for them to – do what the Stampeders did kind of three, four years ago, just eventually kind of age out and that core ages and then they're no longer the core that they once were. And I mean, we all, I thought it might've been last year and now we're hoping it might be this year. Stampeders <laughs> fans, it might be a few years out. We're gonna have to find out here. So it's interesting because I think John Hoffnagel and the Stampeders get a lot of credit for sort of selling high on guys like a, in their thirties, a year or two before they, before they kind of drop off. But like the bombers presented a different path, right? Which is just hang on with if you know that your core can win, just keep them together for as long as you can and, and take the wins. Yeah, I mean, look no further than Stanley Bryan. I mean, he played with the Stampeders for a few years and won a great cup with them in 2014. And at that point in time, he was getting to his late twenties. You know, the Stampeders don't love paying those guys a whole ton of money, especially when they want to contract the rolls into their thirties. Now he's in his late 30s, still playing at a high level. I think he's a four-time most outstanding lineman, and he's going to be a future Hall of Famer, and he's got a lot of great cup rings now. So, I mean, that's just one example, and there's lots of players I think that uh, we can look at with the Blue Bombers organization that have, you know, kind of defied, you know, you know beat father time for the time being and, uh, you know, have been able to play at a high level for a long time. Well, I guess that's the thing, right, is I, I know that, what, they're hosting the Great Cup 2024, right? Or is it 2025? I should probably check uh, that. I believe it's 2025. I think 2024 is BC. It's BC, fair. It might be vice versa. So, I mean, that'll be interesting. If they can keep this group together until then, I mean, there'll be that would be a pretty amazing run, first of all. And then secondly, like having that game with this group would be, I mean, that's amazing. the stuff dreams are made of if you're the CFL. For sure. Um, did you see anything from the Riders that made you think they're around in the corner? I mean, the quarterback play was at a high level. I mean, yeah. you saw Trevor Harris go out there and throw the ball around like 400-plus yards and three touchdowns. To do that as a quarterback and still lose by, you know, multiple touchdowns is tough. So, I mean, they're going to have to do a lot more on defense. It looks like that offense can move the ball around. Uh, I like their Canadian wide receivers there. Um, you know, they got some some rookies that have been stepping up. They, they had that rookie Canadian wide receiver, Emilis, who uh, came up with three touchdowns. And, uh, you know, Juwan Breskison still there. And they got some other guys who can play at a high level. And Trevor Harris, I mean, you know, 400 yards, three touchdowns, the – Rough Riders have been uh, hoping to find some better quarterback play. I know that last year uh, they had a tough time, but they also gave up 70 sacks. So you can uh, protect <laughs> your quarterback. Hopefully uh, you can find some great quarterback play, and that's kind of going the right direction. Yeah, like Trevor Harris is one of those guys who, I'll be honest, I 
I was talking to Jeff Hamilton a few weeks ago. Um, I referenced this in the intro, but both of us were just sort of like, oh, well, Trevor Harris gets you to a certain point. He's not elite. And I, I think I, like looking at him, I think that's a little unfair to him. I think that, you know, you put him on, you give him receivers. Uh, we saw Sean Bain sort of go off, former Calgary St. Peter. Like, I, I think that I owe Trevor Harris, not an apology, but like a little more respect than I've been given. Yeah, yeah, I think at any level of football, I think quarterbacks always get too much credit when things go well and they get blamed too much when things go wrong. Obviously, they're the guy with the ball in the hand most of the time, so they're the ones that everyone has eyes on. But, I mean, you look at various teams throughout, you know, college, NFL, CFL, there's teams that get to the championship games that don't have a game-breaker quarterback. They have a quarterback that manages, you know, he's a game manager, doesn't create turnovers. And when there's opportunities to take the top off the defense, they'll go there. But, uh, you know, I think that uh, Trevor Harris, if he has some great players around him, I mean, hopefully he can uh, play at a higher level and uh, get things going. But I would agree with you that he's not a game-changer elite. I don't know how many most outstanding players he's going to win mm-hmm. in the CFL, but uh, if they have an opportunity to, uh, you know, great, great defense, great run game, they could go somewhere. Well, and that's the thing. It's like looking at it right now, we have no idea really what's happening. I, I have no idea what's happening in the East. Like. Um, Ottawa, I don't think is very good. And then we haven't even seen Toronto, but I do suspect that there will be a crossover this year. If I'm being honest, it's way too early to say that. And I may eat those words, but I don't know. I mean, I will say, <laughs> I don't think Edmonton's going anywhere right now. <laughs> what yeah. happened there? Well, I mean, I, I thought it was interesting, even in the off season when you have, you know, the Edmonton Elks have really struggled here. Uh, they haven't won a home game in two years. Everyone knows now two years of one game. And, uh, I was stunned last year when I heard that they extended Taylor Cornelius. Because, I mean, nothing says extension like not winning at home for two seasons, right? Like, I don't I don't understand it. Like, I mean, if I was the Elks organization, I'd go every direction I can searching for great quarterbacks and great quarterback play, finding another established veteran in the CFL. I know they got Trey Ford there that they are expecting big th- things from in the future, but it might be Trey Ford time sooner rather than later if this keeps up. And that's the thing. It's like, what are they like expecting from Trey Ford is I think the big question there. Um, like there aren't many guys who have taken his path who have really excelled, but I know, I mean, coming out of that draft in particular, and he's one of those guys who I feel like last year got in, looked good for basically a drive against the Stampeders. And then we haven't talked about or heard from really in, in the year since, but people were excited about him. It's just whether you can, that excitement can translate into a, year one success or whether there's going to be growing pains that are going to sort of extend this horrid spell for the Elks. Yeah. I mean, they got great. I mean, they spent all that money on the wide receivers in the off season. They brought in a lot of talent. Now they got to get somebody to get them the football. So uh, whether that's Trey Ford, whether that's a trade, whether that's an acquisition from another place or to find out or else it's going to be another long season in Edmonton. And uh, I don't know how the situation will go there if uh, they don't win for another season. So they got to get things going the right direction. Is there anything that suggests to you like when the quarterback play is like is what it is and i don't want to put it all on the quarterback i mean they lost 22 nothing um but is there is there any like is there anything that makes you encouraged uh i mean the wide receivers are really talented i mean they've got you know maybe the best wide receiver in the cfl and a guy like gino lewis but uh you know they gotta give them the ball and uh the offensive line's gotta play a little better they gotta do the things there but uh you know, I think the biggest thing is it's going to become Trey Ford time here soon. And uh, you got to see what you got. And if that's uh, giving Trey Ford a three, four game spell here to see how things go. And if it doesn't work out and you know, maybe you go back to Cornelius, maybe you see what 
the cost for Nick Arbuckle is after Jeremiah Masoli's healthy. Maybe you start shopping around the CFL and see what you can find. You think Dane Evans would be available? Potentially. Yeah, could be something to look at. Like he, he, He's sort of the, the obvious candidate, in my opinion, for like if you are looking for someone to come in and give you starter reps. I know that last year was up and down, but he can do it. He's, he's played at a high level in this league. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as the season progresses, we're going to see teams that kind of fall out here or they run into cap problems or they need to make some switches, some trades. So, yeah, things are going to, you know, the season's going to progress. Something's going to happen, but uh, it could be Dane Evans. It could be, you know, maybe it ends up being a guy like Jeremiah Masoli. Maybe they see Arbuckle has a couple good games here and now all of a sudden Masoli's available. But, yeah, we'll see what happens and see how it plays out. Yeah. Um, Brandon Adams, man, this is a good news story. Like, this is one of the, the great stories in the CFL right now. I mean, I think that a lot of us, myself included, I, I, I was questioning that decision to sort of roll with him as the starter. But, um, I don't know, through two games, the Lions, he looks pretty good running that offense. Looks big, confident. Big play VA is back. Yeah. Eh? So, uh, yeah, he's been playing great. I mean, he's been an electric quarterback for a long time, whether it's through college, whether it's, you know, in the CFL, the knock on him is always he gets banged up because he's not that big, he's not that heavy, and he can get nicked up. But if they protected the quarterback like they did against the Calgary Stampeders and nobody got anywhere near him, you saw what he could do. And we saw, you know, him put up big numbers in a hurry. I mean, the Stampeders saw that last year when he came in here with Montreal too. And, I mean, he's a guy that plays really well out the gate early in the season. It's can he get through 18 games? Can he get to the later half of the season and continue to play at a high level? He is one of those guys, like, legitimately who I feel like plays better against the Stampeders than against any other team. Like, I don't know how to quantify that. Like, I, to be fair, we can't find any CFL stats, so it's basically impossible. Um, although I did get a call. I got an apology from the CFL for that. They did call me and say, like, look, we know how much worse this is making your job, and I, I appreciated that. Um, and yeah, I don't think it's anyone at the head office's fault. But, um, like, honestly, like, I, I do – there's 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 no way to quantify it, but I, I do think that he's one of those guys who somehow just gives – just gives the Stampeders trouble. But I don't know. He gave the Elks a lot of trouble. I hear you, and I, we're, I'm sort of saving any questions about the Stampeders for when we get there because I know that's where we're going to dig in. But, like, I get that until we see Toronto play and maybe Hamilton, you know, what isn't as bad as they looked against against Winnipeg. But, like, the Lions, quite clearly, I mean, they look like a good professional football team that does the details right. Um, and that, like, that has me currently, and I know, like, you know, teams got better, but after week two or three quarters of week two, like they're clearly the second best team in the league to me. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't be able to argue that right now. I think they are as well. Uh, they're they're an organization top to bottom in the last two three years that has just turned everything around. Whether mm -hmm. it's from fan base to from you know, obviously they changed the ownership. Fan base seems like they're starting to come back. They're getting big turnouts. And now the play, you know, from last year with Nathan Rourke kind of lit the CFL on fire all summer and put up some big stats, some stats we haven't seen in a long time. And now, you know, Vernon Adams has been able to step in there. And, I mean, you know, he's not quite the same player, but he's played at a high level as well. And, I mean, he's been as good a CFL quarterback as you could ask for at the gate. Yeah. I also, I don't know, there's something about Vernon because he played at Oregon, right? He was mostly at Oregon. Yeah, so he, uh, he was – I believe he was uh, – he transferred late, played Oregon his last season, I believe. Okay. Well, there's something about him being in the Pacific Northwest that I like. Um, and as you said, like it is, it was, I think he likes it there too. Yeah, I think he does. <laughs> um, but it was cool, honestly, seeing yesterday, like, and it, it's clearly the recipe is like, have LL Cool J there, you know, like I, I do, the Lions deserve so much credit and it is something that, you know, while I feel like the St. Peters are making steps in the right direction, it, it's hard not to look at 
that, like the, the money that's being spent on marketing and, and bringing people in and sort of wonder what would happen if we got that a little bit here. Yeah, I mean, their owner is giving interviews almost weekly. Yeah. Like it's something you just don't see in the CFL or in any professional league for that matter is the owner getting in front of the mic regularly with local media and saying, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we're trying to do. This yeah. is what direction we're trying to go. And I mean, they could hire someone to be that face of the business operations or face of whatever they want. And, you know, he's trying to take that on himself with, uh, you know, and done a great job. And, yeah. I mean, if uh, you know, shows how much he cares, I mean, I think that the people, you know, in and around, you know, Vancouver, around around Vancouver area will be able to, to you know, yeah. hop on board well as well. And I do want to like, just quickly, I mean, we were there. I'm not trying to, there's no knock on Jay McNeil, who I think is doing a pretty tremendous job so far. I mean, I thought that we were at the fan fest, not the fan fest, the, what was it called? The um, thing that we went it's to? It's like the preseason fan forum. fan forum for season ticket holders. Yeah. yeah. And I was blown away, man. And like, I've now, I was in the stamp house, stamps house prior to week one. Like there are, you may not see it if you just kind of get your ticket and and, and show up and sit in the stands and walk through the concourse. But there are things happening at around McMahon Stadium that are encouraging to me. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Stampeders have done a great job building up um, the premium experiences over the last five years. And whether that's, you know, from the Red and White Club that's now Stamps House, whether that's the Talus patio that you can sit down there and watch the game, do corporate things. They have those suites. They have, um, you know, lots of different things that you can do on game day to kind of improve the game day experience. Now what they need to do is uh, fill out the corners of that stadium because, uh, and, uh, you know, get a few more season ticket holders back or find some new ones. So, I mean, as you know, I mean, I always kind of have this theory that, uh, you know, 20,000 or less for attendance is I would consider poor attendance. Mm -hmm. 20,000. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The 24, I'd say, is decent. 24 plus, I'd call good. And 28 plus, I'd call great. Yeah, 27 is the magic number for me. Like, I, I still find, I mean, Labor Day when you got 30 is obviously sort of, it's magical. But, like, yeah. at 27, that, that stadium doesn't feel half empty. It, it, oh, it's no. always loud. It's 
got a good vibe it's got a good buzz going and yeah i mean as a player i can tell you i mean i wasn't in play for a long time but i played in some big stadiums especially when i was in college and then in the cfl as well and i mean just as a player i mean you get that little buzz going in the crowd when you come out there on game day and it's you know it's it's a whole different level it's a whole different energy level and everybody gets amped up yeah and i don't know i i'm hoping to be honest given the headlines coming out of week one at mcmahon about the crowd size which like i think it was overstated. I mean, and yes, we want more than 18,000 people there, but I think it was the earliest game in CFO history. It was on a Thursday. It was on a school night. There were a lot of reasons why that crowd wasn't huge, and the Lions don't tend to draw here. Um, I, like, I'm expecting a decent crowd with the Riders in town um, next yeah. weekend. And it's important. Yeah, I think every year since I've been a season ticket holder, the Thursday night game was always the worst attendance of the season, and it's often just on the other side of 20,000, just over 20. But – I mean, we're going to get the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in here and what everybody's been asking for, the Rough Riders in the summer, Yeah, Saturday night, 5 p.m. So no excuses here. Let's see uh, how the fans turn out. And uh, from everybody I'm talking to, it sounds like they're expecting a big attendance, and I hope that we get that 25,000-plus or even 30-plus would be great. That'd be awesome. That'd be amazing. And it would be a nice sort of – I don't know what the term is, but it, for the – there are certain outlets that jumped in and haven't done a Stampeders story in years and sort of did the, oh, the attendance is terrible. And it would be nice for the Stampeders to be able to sort of say, hey, guys, like, we're worth covering for other reasons other than our attendance is occasionally bad. People love to run those negative articles, man. They I love know. to pile on. I, I know. You. I did not do one of those. Um, let's shift to Stampeders and Red Blacks. Um, and honestly, I, I, for me, that was not a perfect game. I don't think anyone would pretend that was a perfect game. But, like... The areas that I wanted to see improvements, Jake's play, the way that they were using the receivers, the offensive line, um, I thought like, there was a lot to like. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think what I, the biggest thing I wanted to see was uh, in the early season game against the Lions, it felt like Jake Mayer never really went downfield. It felt like we were stuck into the five to eight yard completions. Hope somebody breaks a tackle. Hope somebody makes a play. Oh, I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to turn the ball over. It seemed like it was that, like, quarterback i call it a quarterback that's afraid it's not ready to take a step downfield not ready to tell the deep ball and maybe that was the game plan maybe that was the design maybe they hadn't got through you know, you know he bad. only played a little bit in preseason at all like i think yeah. somewhat understandable you would oh. know better than i would you have played at the highest level but like it was incredibly discouraging well also you think okay this is a guy really in his second year starting um didn't get much time in like i can understand yeah 100%. yeah but yeah, there lots of few days of training camp with the smoke and, you know, everything else. And I mean, there's lots of external factors here, but I mean, I wanted to see a midseason Jake when the season started, but uh, <laughs> we didn't quite get that. And, and when we got to game two, I saw him push the ball downfield a bit more. Looked like he had a little bit more accuracy on his passes. Looked like he was able to take the top off the defense at times. And that's going to be huge, especially, you know, in the CFL, a pass heavy league. And with a team that's probably going to have, you know, if not the best run game in the CFL, a top tier run game. So if they're able to, uh, you know, do some different things on offense, you know, it seems like him and Trey Odom Dukes are showing a lot of early season chemistry. Yep. And if uh, they can establish that and get the ball going downfield, I think that, you know, they're going to score a lot more points. And I think that defense, uh, you know, they didn't look midseason form out the gate either. And <laughs> nope. if they can get things going, uh, you know, there's some building to do here. I mean, when you replace a lot of players in key spots, you know, Stan Peters have, you know, replaced Derek Dennis. They're, you know, most they're their nominee for most outstanding lineman last year. <laughs> Sean Lemon, who was a, uh, you know, uh, all-star on the D-line as well, you know, and Or Malade, who yeah, probably Orimalade. should have been an all-star, right? Totally. So, so I mean, yeah. I don't know if I can say that, but it was an exceptional 
high-end defender. now the highest paid D-lineman in the CFL. Yeah, so somebody true. likes him. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's there's a few few talented positions there. They had to move around. And I'd imagine when they do that, they had some different leadership changes on the team too. Mm-hmm. And some changing of the guard from guys that, you know, weren't from some of those guys I mentioned before that now are stepping into more leadership roles, more senior roles in the team. And I mean, there's going to be some bumps there along the way too. So, I mean, I think that we saw that play out a little bit in week one, week two. I mean, I mean, everybody thought the Stampeders were going to be able to beat the Red Blacks. Yeah, it wasn't perfect. Yeah, it wasn't the best game I've ever seen, but I saw steps in the right direction and I saw a nice football win. And I think that that's what we wanted. Yeah. And I mean, there's a million things that I want to get to you. I'm going to start. We're going to go back to Jake a little bit later, but you, I think the offensive line was a concern after week one. Now, Zach Williams wasn't playing. Um, it seems like they're pretty high on this Caleb Badenoch guy who was at, at right tackle. Um, but I haven't had any – I didn't have any issues with the O-line. There was really only, what, one sack. Um, and that's a that's a pretty formidable Red Blacks defensive line. I mean, they had the reigning most outstanding defensive player. Um, I thought they did. I thought they did pretty well against the Red Blacks. Yeah, they were great. I thought that Jake had lots of time. I thought that he was in the pocket. He was looking through some reads when he needed to. I thought that, uh, you know, the interior of the Stampeders offensive line is all Canadian, you know, three interior Canadian O-linemen, all maybe the highest paid of their position in the CFL or close <laughs> to. So they've got that people some, don't realize when they ask. They have yeah. some very, very talented players there between, you know, Ryan, Ryan Sevier, Zach Williams, Zach Williams. Who, who took two penalties, but it was his first game and he missed a big part of camp. His timing just wasn't quite there. He and was great otherwise. And Sean McEwen, who played at a high level with the Argos, and oh, by the way, came back to Calgary to come home to sign with his hometown team, which I think yep. doesn't get talked about enough. So he could have gone to probably any team in the CFL and got top dollar and came home. I mean, that's a great story that it should, it needs to be told a little bit more. But uh, yeah, I mean, those are as good as CFL offensive linemen you're going to find. They're all in their late 20s. They're all playing at a high level. And now you just got to find two American tackles to play right tackle and left tackle around them. And for anyone that doesn't know, the way a CFL training camp works is they bring in about eight offensive tackles, some large humans from the SEC, big conferences, wherever. A lot of the guys played at a high level. They were, you know, all conference players in the Big 12, the SEC, whatever it is. And they fight it out for those top spots. And, uh, you know, this is what we see and what what we're at now. And the right tackle and the left tackle of the Stampeders are going to have to uh, sort things out. It sounds like Hugh Thornton and Caleb Beninacht. Mm-hmm. They're going to be some players that, uh, you know, here in the future are going to be maybe some mainstays. And if they're not, they're going to get some new guys in camp soon or into the locker room yeah. and uh, try to find some guys there that can play. Yeah, I mean, the offensive line, like, doing that is always interesting to me because I do feel like what we always hear about the NFL is, like, there's never enough offensive linemen. So it does feel like for a CFL team, it's got to be arguably the hardest position to recruit because when the NFL is desperate for guys, you know, CFL – I imagine you're you're not always getting that at elite talent. Yeah, I think there's another story that needs to be told is that often the CFL offensive lines will dress six, sometimes seven players. So when one player gets hurt, you know, often they dress three quarterbacks. So, you know, Jake Merrick goes down, we have another guy who plays quarterback that steps in. When you have an offensive lineman that goes down to tackle, well, now sometimes the guard kicks out to tackle. That's not the same. Those are two <laughs> completely different positions. And sometimes you go from the right side to the left side. And being able to shuffle that deck the way that the Stampeders have over the years, the way a lot of the teams in the CFL have, 
is just it's amazing it's so versatile and what these guys can do because you know one of the biggest things when you get to camp is yeah you can play o-line what else can you do can you because the 40 you know they only have the 46 man roster they only have so many guys that can dress they have to play a lot of special teams they need you to be involved in some other aspect of the game whether that's you know being able to snap play center being able to play guard or tackle you know, you've got to be as versatile as you can. And, I mean, these are some big humans being versatile and oh. knowing all the different aspects of the offensive line, knowing what all five positions can do at any time because somebody gets hurt, somebody gets rolled up on. We're shuffling that deck and moving guys in different spots, and now the person beside you is going to change, and you know, there's going to be a lot going on. It's why, like, the, Bryce Bell currently is, like, the number six guy on the Stampeders, and it's one of those things where like, I've always like, – used to be Spencer Wilson back in the day. It's yeah. like that sixth guy, it's like – we should talk about as a starter because they are the guy who literally has to be able to play everywhere on the O-line. That guy's getting the biggest mental workout of the <laughs> yeah. week of anybody because he's got to know five different positions. And they even often use those guys in like goal line. They use them on special teams. Sometimes, you know, so they had Spencer, you know, Spencer returned a couple of kicks. He didn't, they didn't want him to return kicks. They kicked the ball to him. He picked it up and ran it. And they had some That's different amazing. things that were uh, happening throughout the seasons. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, I will say that you know you mentioned the guys leaving. I do think one of the biggest guys leaving in the offseason was Jameer Thurman, and I don't know. I, I I can't say speak to what's going on in the locker room, but gotta say Mike Alway at linebacker doesn't feel like they're missing a step there. I mean, sack interception, he was everywhere. He had a great game too, that's for sure. I mean, in game one, I thought that he played well. I didn't I didn't really notice him. I was second him to have a bigger game. Game two, I mean, that middle linebacker spot, you want a guy that's going to take charge of that defense and. uh you know, make a big play and stand up and, you know, the other guys will follow around him. And I think that uh, he can be one of those guys that, you know, has that and leads, leads by example. And I think he did that in game two. Yeah. Um, that combination with him and Judge, like, I don't know. It was one of the things everyone, including myself, talks about in the offseason. And then you look back and you're like, since Singleton left, it's like they've had a different middle linebacker pretty much every year. Um, if you go back to it, I mean, you would have had Winston McManus there. Um, you've had Corey Greenwood there. You had Darnell Sankey there. Then you had Jameer, who was a weak side linebacker prior to last year. So, like, right. this is pretty much your fifth starting middle linebacker in five seasons. And we haven't really, like, that just hasn't been a problem position for this organization. No, I mean, I think they're a well-coached group. I mean, I think that Brett Munson will be a future CFL head coach here in the future. And he's had that defense playing at a high level for a long time. And the guys know what to do when they're in there. They know what they're expected of them. And, uh, you know, that middle linebacker is the quarterback of the defense. He's often, you know, calling audibles, getting people lined up, getting them in the right positions. And I think the Stampeders have uh, done that at a high level for a long time. Okay, so the last one on the defense. Um, I don't think it's panic time yet. That's like way an exaggeration, but are you at all concerned with the defensive end positions? I mean, we haven't seen a sack yet. I don't know that we've really seen Hauser or um, or James Waters like really impose themselves on the game. I mean, I wouldn't say concern is the right word. I mean, I think things got to go the right direction here soon for sure. It's a long CFL season. There's 18 games. I mean, you know, sometimes it takes some guys a little bit to kind of catch their stride. We talked about camp not being as long as it was because they missed a few camp days due to smoke and things like that, things outside of their control. And I think that as the season progresses here, I mean, that's the way the professional football works. It's a results now business. It's not a developmental league. They're not going to mm -hmm. say, oh, this guy will come around in a year or two. If they're not getting producing, they're going to get new guys in there that are. And, uh, you know, I think that these these are guys that have played at a high level before. You know, they obviously brought them into camp expecting big things from them, and I would expect that uh, we're going to see some big things from them here in the future.
future. Yeah, I mean, I, I still, it's James Waters. I, I have, there's been a lot of football coaches who have thought pretty highly of James Waters. I'm not worried. And then Hauser was an all-star last year. So, like, I don't actually have any concerns. And I think that, like, potentially Sam's fans have, were, have been a little spoiled over the years from that defensive end position. And last year, like, I was one of the people who didn't feel like Sean Lemon got the respect that should have, even though he got the nomination. <clears throat> the fact that he's not in the league now sort of speaks volumes. Um, wow. But, and flow. And I just, I, I think that last year it was a pretty amazing group. Um, and then again, it's not like I'm looking in the defensive end, like the defensive line, their job isn't only sacks. And I think that they've done well elsewhere. Um, but it's, it's one of those things. I think, you know, part of our job is not just to be, my job is not just to be positive and you can't help but notice. Right. I think Sam Peters fans have been spoiled in a lot of different positions over the years. <laughs> and a lot of you know, winning at home over the years. And I mean, you look at how many guys in the last, you know, 10, 15 seasons since the John Huffnagel era came back. How many of those guys will end up in the Hall of Fame here in the future? And I mean, yeah, they played at a high level. And we, when we watch, we say, you know, we saw Alex Singleton play at this level. We expect the next guy that they bring in to play at a similar level. And I mean, you know, it's going to be hard to keep replacing that and keep doing that over the years. But, uh, you know, I think that with, uh, we're going to see what happens here with this group. And if uh, they're not able to, I'm sure the Stampeders coaches are great at identifying talent and bringing in new talent when needed. And we're going to see some new guys uh, emerge here over the years. And just before I move on from this game, um, Ottawa's sort of, I, I have trouble evaluating Ottawa because I expect Jeremiah Mazzoli back in the next week or two. And I, I do think that the quarterback play, I, it's hard to put too much on them, but I don't think that it was exceptional by any means um, against the Stampeders. And I do think Mazzoli, although we have, I mean, it's been a while since we've seen him play a lot of football, but I do think you can just count on him making this team better. So it's a little hard to, you know, throw, just throw them out and, and, and fully evaluate them when their starting quarterback's not available. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jeremiah Masoli has been around the league for a long time and played at a high level for a long time. And when he comes back, that's a whole new dynamic to the offense. A guy that can push the ball downfield when needed, can run when needed. And uh, yeah, he's going to change that offense, you know, because, now, every time that there's a pass rush, probably an extra, you know, half second or so because he can escape, you know, he can do things like that. Maybe he'll create an extra couple first downs with his legs, elongate some drives, and that's going to make a big difference for them throughout the season. Perfect. Um, we can't talk about Hamilton and Toronto because the game hasn't happened yet. Sort of sucks because, honestly, I'm fascinated by that game because there's not – I don't know when the last time I've, I've looked at a team like the Argos and been like, okay, you guys could be really good, but I have no idea. What's, what's happening with quarterback? I don't, there's just a lot that I don't know with them. Yeah, that's the team that the quarterback plays. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if it scares you or excites you. It's going to be something, it's going to be different. But uh, that's a great example of what we were talking about earlier, where sometimes you don't need the quarterback to do too much because you got so much great talent around him. Yep. We know that Corey Mace is going to get that defense going. They played at a very high level last year. I think he got some new position players in there, like, you know like flow that he wanted there for uh yeah. DN and they got some great players and they're gonna be able to get off the quarterback. Uh, Sean Oakman's been playing at a high level in the middle there. He's a big guy, six foot nine. A lot of the CFL quarterbacks are shorter. Mm -hmm. They're in that six foot range. You have a six foot nine guy putting his arms up in the middle of the formation. <laughs> it becomes a problem. It's tough to get the ball around him. And Oh, by the way, he's going to track you down too. So, uh, you know, the, 
they have some great talented players there and uh, I'm excited to see what the Argos are able to do. And I was you know, interested with what the Ticats did last yeah. week to create as many turnovers as they did against the blue bombers. That defense was playing, playing pretty well too. Obviously they got to slow down the points, but if you can create turnovers like that, you got a shot. Yeah. And I mean, I can't sit here and say, Oh, people should be patient with Jake or, you know, week one or two and not say the same thing about Bo. Like, I think he's going to be more accurate. Um, and there was the one interception that everyone focuses on on the sideline. I genuinely don't think he saw the guy. Like I think his eye, like I just don't think he saw the guy. And ultimately, the play turned out badly. But I'm not writing off Hamilton just yet. I'll tell you that. I'm fascinated with what happens with Bo because I think that we've seen in the CFL a few times over the years. Whether it was Ricky Ray when he went to the Argos, everybody thought his career was over, and he played uh, maybe some of his best football those last few years. And then the best example right now is you know you look at Zach Claros. People thought his career was over when he went to the Bombers for what they traded him for, a fourth-round pick, just mm-hmm. here, yeah, you guys can have him, whatever. And now a couple most outstanding players and a couple Grey Cups later, and, you know, he's the – Arguably the greatest of his generation at this point. Totally, right? and he's turned that franchise – you talk about a franchise that's, you know, selling whatever, 28,000, 30,000 tickets a game. Yeah. And, you know, they're huge, big buzz in that city for that team, and it's, it, it's, been, it's been really great to see. Yeah. I'm I'm very interested. I, I think with Bo, Bo's one of those players where because he's such a huge star, he is under a microscope. And I think I mean quarterbacks in the CFL are gonna be under a microscope, but like week one has not traditionally been Bo's best week. So I'm 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 just curious. I, I have a feeling he's gonna bounce back pretty well. Now, does that mean I think he plays at an MOP level? I don't know that he has to. I think that Hamilton team was like the defense should be a lot better than it was. And that's the thing. It's it's always hard because you're evaluating teams after week one, and it's like, well, they played the Bombers. Like, what? As you said, the Bombers are such a finely tuned machine going into any game, but particularly the beginning of the season, they have the veterans who understand the system, who can kind of hit the ground running. So I don't know that looking at Hamilton and and drawing too many conclusions is smart. Yeah, I think that we're going to learn a lot about them tonight when they play the Argos. We're going to learn a lot about both teams, and I'm excited for that matchup. It should be great. Perfect. Um, well, man. That's it for me. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been awesome. I really appreciate it, man. You're the best. And uh, honestly, I, I, I've said this to many people, but having someone who, like, you're so open about it and just the way that you talk about offensive line play, I think that a lot of fans can learn a lot from. So I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, thank you to John Bender, man, for dropping by here on Live from the 55. He is one of the smarter football minds I know. And eventually we're going to kind of get him on here and just have him actually just explaining offensive line stuff and people and stuff people don't understand about the cfl because honestly he's so smart and teaches so much and you know today we just kind of wanted to go over the games and we're still trying to figure out what every team is but i super do appreciate him um he's he's such a valuable asset to those of us who are trying to cover the game here in calgary um beyond that yeah we got a fun week coming up in the cfl uh obviously the highlight is going to be the lions and the bombers playing on thursday night that's honestly has potentially one of the more interesting games of the first half of the season. We're going to learn a lot about the Lions. They've looked really good through two weeks, and the Bombers have looked like the Bombers. So fascinated by that. You got the Alouettes and Ticats, which not whatever, but um, don't know what to expect from that game yet. Still got a lot to learn, a lot to learn about both teams. And then um, we had a fun Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Calgary Stampeders game uh, on June 24th. That's always a big one here in Calgary. I'm looking forward to it. We're still, as I said, you know, we can say this about all the teams. We're learning about everybody. Um, but that's a big challenge for two teams that, you know, they, they need wins. They need wins early in the season. And if they're going to keep pace with the Bombers and Lions, they need to beat each other. So, um, you know, there's some stakes there. I'm looking forward to it. And then you got the Argos and Elks finishing it up, which 
whatever. I imagine the Argos are going to roll them, but um, maybe not. Surprise me, Edmonton, please. Um, anyways, before we take off, do you want to thank our sponsor, Fraser and Fig? Um, as I've said, these guys do ready-to-go cheese and charcuterie boxes. They're curated with local and artisanal ingredients. Uh, they've got four sizes every occasion. They come with meat, cheese, dried fruit, fresh fruit, nuts, olives, pickles, and carrots. And their selections vary month to month. Honestly, these guys are awesome. Um, if you are having a house party or having family over, you know, it's Father's Day today. Probably too late. It is too late. This is going out on Monday. Um, but you know, they're uh, they would have been perfect for Father's Day. So next year, but um, you know, buy buy one of their charcuterie boxes before next year. Um, they're they're good. They're they're really fun and have a great product, and we're super grateful for them. But uh, beyond that, thank you for watching. I really appreciate it. Please like and subscribe. Tell your friends we're trying to build something here, and uh, we appreciate it. So thank you. This is live from the five. I am Danny Austin, and. Uh, yeah, we'll be talking soon. Cheers, guys. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.